Okay, we're beginning here on the top of Chafalut Mamad Aleph by the two dots. Mar begins, Tanarbanan, Kol Elu Shamru, Ein Malakin Behen Beshabbat. All these items that we mentioned are Mishnah that you may not like with them on Shabbat. Avalosim Mehen Midura. One can make a large fire, a pyre out of them. Ben Lehit Chameim, whether it's to warm himself, Negda. Ben Lishtamesh Lora, whether it's for light. Ben Agav Karka, whether it's on the ground. Ben Agabe Kira Minora, whether it's on top of a utensil or a clea of some sort. Velo Asru, the only restriction is using them for a wick, for a lamp. So the reason which the Gemara will discuss is shortly that the items in the Mishnah are restricted is because they're not good wicks. And if they're not good wicks, then we don't want to use it on the Shabbat because of the problems that might arise. But once they're in a large fire, then you're not focused on that particular wick. The entirety of the pyre fire is then consuming everything that's there. That's just one item amongst the many other items. The wick is not important in those instances. And since the wick is not important, then there is no restriction on Shabbat against using these items inside of that fire. So now the next in the Mishnah was the Lobe Shem and Kik, that one may not use these items for fuel in the land. My Shem and Kik, what is this? Amar Shmol, Yamo. I asked all the sailors, Ramli, there's this bird out on the islands, the kik shema, and it's called the kik bird. Cotton seed oil. So the first one possibility is that it's a bird, and it's the oil from this bird. Second possibility is that it's from the cotton, cotton seed oil. You can see in Rashi, it says, cotton. Comes from the tikayon that's mentioned at the end of Sefer Yonah, which shields Yonah from the sun, then Hashem brings the tovat, brings the worm that kills the Kikayon, and then Yonah wishes for his own death, and then Hashem gives him the mashal of Kikayon compared to what he had to do with Ninveh. So I'm a Rabbi Barchana. So Rabbi Barchana is interesting. We have many of these stories in Baba Batra about the adventures of Rabbi Barchana. It says, the chazali Kikayon de Yonah. I saw the Kikayon of Yonah. Ve'litzluliva dummy. It's similar to Ricinus, or the ricinus plant, Umidipashke Rabe. So Rashi says it grows up in Bebitse Maimugadel and ditches of water that it grows. They hang them on the entrances to these stores because, as Rashi says, they give shade and they smell nice. And from their seeds, kernels, you make oil. And on their branches rest all the chulim, all those that are sick in Eretz Israel. So it's a multi-use plant. And here, the mishka, the oil that he's speaking about, is obviously the oil that derived from the kernels, the seeds of the kikayon. So now, Amar Rabo, Tilot Ein Malikin Behen Why are you not permitted to use these wicks on Shabbat? Mipnei or Mesachsechet Behen. The light jumps around on them. Rashi brings two interpretations as to what the word misachsechet means. Either can mean sakin piguma, a serrated knife, that the flame doesn't sit gently on top of the wick. It jumps around, moves around on the wick. The other possibility is that from the word like sukkah, siksecha, which means to cover, that the wick itself doesn't burn, it only sits, the fire sits externally to the wick, because the wick is not a good 
item for burning is not a good wick, and therefore the fire sits around it rather than burning it itself. The oils that are mentioned in the Mishnah that are impermissible, the reason is because they do not draw into the wick. When the wick's there, the capillary action, the bricks and the liquids at the top of the wick, you need the liquid to flow easily through the wick, because otherwise it won't fuel the flame, and the flame will either extinguish or be too small for what you're liking. So therefore you need to have oils that follow through to the wick, that flow easily into the wick, and those oils in the Mishnah don't do that. So he explained to us what the issues are with these tilot and with these shmanim. The question still remains, why not? What are we worried about on Shabbat? Why can't you use them on Shabbat? So Rashi says, The fear here is that you're going to be in violation of Shabbat. You're going to try to fix the problem. You're going to rectify the problem by tipping the lamp to get the flame to be bigger. Like we saw by Lei Kerala Oran there, that one may not read by a lamp because if the lamp diminishes in any way, you're going to tip it, tilt it to get the oil to move to the wick. Same thing will be true in a situation where the wicks aren't good or the oil's not good. You're going to try to encourage it to be in a better situation. By doing that, you're going to tip the lamp on Shabbat and be in violation of Shabbat. That's what Rashi says. Tosafot, you can see in the Tosafot Yishanim says, Shemati mimiara, sheshama bimyesh rak nerechad kashir vabayit. As long as you have one kashir ner in the house, adeh zeh yizkor, v'yateh sharnei rot shebechedr shebemartef. From that one good candle, he'll remember not to touch the other ones. So if you have one functional light in the house, then we don't worry about the other candles. Shema Mikutsi, Balasamak, Omer, Davarshi Yehot, Asot, Beloner. Something that you could do without a candle. Gonotzi, Yain, Minachavit. Take wine out of a barrel without a ner. Mutar, Lishtamesh, the oracle ner. Then you can use any ner for that because you could have done it in the dark. So now that you have the little light, you're not going to come to tilt it. So it's clear from the second answer of Tosfot that we're talking about the problem is Shemalatot. Preventing the Shemalatot is because we don't fear you're going to look for more light because you didn't need the light in the first place. First answer is more interesting, which is if you have one kosher candle in the house, then everything else is fine. question is, why is everything else fine? I could argue because, like Tosfot says here, it's a hecker. You'll remember, you have that one light, that'll make you remember the others, maybe. Or... The other possibility to explain Tosafot is, and this is some of the other Rishonim say, the problem here is Onik Shabbat. The problem is that you need light on Shabbat. If you use or utilize these wicks or these oils, you're going to end up in a situation where you're not going to have proper light on Shabbat. It's going to ruin your Onik Shabbat. You are in the possibility that you won't be able to have any light at all. It'll blow itself out. It'll extinguish itself. Tosafot says, if you have one mare that is good, then we don't have to worry anymore. That one mare will serve for your Onig Shabbat, that will allow you to stay in the house. The other Nerot then are just extraneous, they're extra. Those Nerot we worry less about, but if you have that one mare, then we know you're covered for Onig Shabbat. So the possibilities here are at least three. One is possibility that, like Rashi says, Shemiyate, we're afraid of you violating the Shabbat. Number two is, possibility that it's going to ruin your Onik Shabbat, and that bifurcates in two possibilities. One is that there won't be sufficient light in the house, and that will make it unpleasant to be in there. The other possibility is that they will extinguish, and you'll leave the house. You won't be able to stay in your house for Shabbat because you won't have any light in the house. So those are the different reasons brought down by the Rishonim as to why we're worried about the fact that you have poor wicks or poor oil. Ma'u <laughs> Koshu v'yedlik. 
If you have these oils that are not permitted to be used on Shabbat, what's the din with regards to placing some shemen zayit into them and then lighting them? Do we worry about the fact that if we let you do it with shemen in there, that you'll come to light them without shemen in there? Or though we don't. In Madikin, find them that we do not light. Even if you mix the other shmanim with good oils, we don't allow you to light it. My timer. What's the reason? Fish in Madikin, because we don't light them. The other possibility of the fish in Nidakim makes this whole statement a lot easier because it doesn't help. Putting in the other shemen in there doesn't change the properties of the shemen, which is the problem here. The problem here is not that you're going to use them by themselves. The problem is that even when they're not by themselves, together with other shemen, they don't get drawn into the wick. And you haven't solved your problem. So according to that gears, it's easy to understand. Because it's She'en Nidakin. The other possible Hefi She'en Madikin could explain it the same way. Could, we could read it that She'en Madikin is the same as Hefi She'en Nidakin. Or, as the Mesorah Dajaz brings down, that that was the Mesorah. We're not going to explain it. That's the Mesorah that I have. That we don't use them. And that's the She'en Madikin. There's no questions. We don't question it. That's the Mesorah that we have. Okay, Eitave. So now he asks him about the wicks. Karach davar shemadikimbo, agav davar she'in madikimbo. You wrap something that doesn't light well with something that does light well as a wick. What's the din? In madikimbo. You may not light with it. Bishim agamaliyah, so beit abba hayu korchim ptila agavea goes. They used to wrap a wick around a nut, umadikin, and then light it. Tani. Mihat Madikim, you see that they did light. Abaye's question to Rabbi is, listen, I asked you about the Shmanim, about the oils, and you told me, no go. When you mix good oils with bad oils, it doesn't work. I'm bringing you a brighter that says that when you mix good wicks and bad wicks, that it's okay. And we just saw before that those are the two, the reasons for the Mishnah, the wick and the oil are for the same reason, that they don't function properly. But here, when I put a good wick on top of a bad wick, we say that it works. You see that? Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel says that my father's house, that's what they did. So Rabbi says very simply, You're asking me from Rabbi Shimon Wait a minute, you picked one of the two opinions in the Brayta. The Tanakama's opinion is that you can't light with it. It says, Because Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel is citing real case. He's citing case thought. His father lit with this. And that's a significant proof to that opinion. You can't get around that. You have to deal with the fact that they did light in that way. So now, we have a question. My love, So what's the reason that they wrapped the wick around there goes in order to have it light. It says lo lakvot to let it float. Ilakvot, my time is the Tanakama. What's the reason behind that Tanakama? So you know people like their Chanukiot on Chanukah with floating wicks. You have to keep the wick above the fuel, above the oil. If you have a lamp, then it lays through the opening and it sits outside of the oil. If they're sitting like in the Chanukiot, they're sitting in the oil. Either have to have something that holds the wick above the oil, or you have the wicks float in the oil. You have the cork that floats with the wick in it, and it keeps it always above the oil as it submerges. As the oil is burnt off, it submerges. So they use the nut to keep the wick afloat in the shemen. But if that's the case, why would the Tana come and say no? Obviously, he's not using it as a wick. He's using it for a float. Why would he bother him? So when it says, Kula Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, the entire bright uh, is authored by Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. So Rabbi Master writes, missing words. And this is what it should have said. Karach davar shemadikin bo. Agav davar shemadikin bo. If you put wicks 
that are functional above wicks that are not proper wicks. Ain madikimbo, you may not light with them. Bamed, varimamurim ladlik. That's talking about when you're using it to light as a wick. Avalakpot mutar, to float it is fine. Shrabshimon bengamil omer, shabaytaba, you kochim tila goes. They used to put these tilot on top of the nut and have it float. So you see that that is permissible. Mara says, Ini, is that really true? Vamara bruna amarav, chelev mehutach, kivay davim shinimoku, you have fat that has been liquefied. And the innards of a fish that have dissolved. Adam notain the tocho shemen kosho. Put any oil in there. Umadlik. And then you can light it. So you see here, adding another fuel, good fuel, into other fuel works. That's enough. That's sufficient. You're dealing with totally different issues. The oils in our Mishnah, when they're by themselves, are not drawn after the wick. When they're mixed with shaman or proper oils, they will go and follow the wick. These items over here, they follow the wick even without the oil in them. They function as good fuels even without oil in them. That's why we allow you to do it. The question is obviously going to be, well then, why not use them without the oil? If they work without the oil, why do you have to put the oil in there? So the answer to that is, Gazura banana al-chelev mehutach, mishum chelev shenu mehutach. Kachamim or gozer, not to use liquefied fat, because sometimes they will not be properly liquefied. And innards of the fish that dissolved. That did not dissolve. So we're worried that if we allow to use these items, you're not going to always use them in the proper form. And when you use them in the improper form, they're not good fuels. So then be goes there. That these items, when they are good fuels, and you put shaman in them, and we said, oh, that's okay to do. Let's say that when you do that, it's problematic, because then you might come to do it alone, with liquefied fat and the dissolved innards of the fish. It says, he gufa, vainam nikum That's already a The reason you can't use these fuels is not because they're not good fuels. They are good fuels. The only reason we're telling you don't use them is because you might come to use the other form of them that is not a good fuel. So now you come and put in shemin inside of them and you're going to say to me, oh, don't do that because then you might come to use the good fuels because if you use the good fuels, you might come to use the bad fuels. That's already two derivatives. It's two steps away. And that's xero xero, which we won't do. So that's differentiated from Rabba's statement before is when you put shemin into the bad fuel that we don't allow you to do that because that's one step away. If you use the fuel alone, it's a bad fuel and we won't let you do it. So to put shemin in it is only one step away and that's why we have xero over there. Tani Rami Bachamab Tilo, Ushmanim, Shamukhachamim, Ain Madikim Behemi Shabbat. The wicks and oils that are mentioned in our Mishnah, which are not permissible to use in Shabbat. Ain Madikim Behemi Mikdash. They may also not be used in the Mikdash. So Rakiv Eger asks right away, there's only one type of shaman you're allowed to use in the Mikdash, which is shaman Zayedzach from the Menorah. So he says he doesn't really know what the Gemara's question is about the oils. Fine with the wicks, we can discuss it, but with the oils, there's only Shem and Zayit that can be used. Shem Shneamar, because it says by the Menorah, Balot Nerd Tamid. The Nerd Tamid should be lit. He brought that as the proof, and then he explained it. So this is something we quoted before, that you have to light it in such a manner that the flame is on its own, that it can stand on its own. Not that it be fixed in order that the flame works properly. So that has multiple manifestations, which is, number one, 
when you actually light the wick in the menorah, you have to hold the flame there long enough that the wick has a full flame on it, and it's fully spread through the wick. You can't just light the wick at its tip and let the flame spread. You have to hold the light there until the wick is fully lit. Number two is, you have to use, according to this statement of Rami Barakama, you have to use fuel and wicks, which do not require fixing afterwards. Because that's not me'eleha. That's not having the flame run by itself. That's having intervention. So you may not have intervention in the menorah and the migdash. Tanan. Mavlai michnesei koanim umehem yenehem ayu mafkiin mehem adikim. So the worn out pants of the koanim and their belts, they used to cut them and twist them into wicks and use them to light. So we know that the clothing of the Kohanim was made out of Tzemer and Pishtan, items that not necessarily the best wicks that you can use. Where it says, Simchat Veit HaShueva, shiny. Simchat Veit HaShueva is different. Tashma. Tani Rabbi Big Day Kihuna Shibalu. The worn out clothing of the Kohanim. Afkinu Tan. They used to tear them up. They used to make wicks for the Mikdash. My love, the Kilaim. They were making them out of Kilaim. The Beged of the Kohanim was not made out of Kilaim. That was made out of Pishtan. But their belts were made out of Kilaim. Because it had Tchelet in there. Tchelet is wool. And therefore you have a mix of wool and linen. It's Kilaim. So if you're using a mix of wool and linen, that means that you're also burning with Tzemer. Not just pishtan. It's a problem for Rabbah. Rabbah said before, if you mix a good wick with a bad wick, it doesn't help you. Over here you have good material, bad material, and you're mixing them together. The Rabbah says, love the boots. They only use the linen parts. Whatever they made for it, that was only for the linen pieces of it. So Rashi says about the Simchat Beit HaShueva, shiny, says, There's no requirement of lopa, It's not minat Torah. It's not clear if Rashi means that the candles that they lit there, the menorot that they lit there, were not deoraita, or that he thinks that the whole Shemchat Beit HaShueva is not an institution deoraita. But he says that's the reason over here. Tosafot asks over here a very interesting question. He says, Tema, How were they permitted to light from the Big Day Kuna these wicks? It's not necessary for the Korbanot. It's not something that's being utilized in the Mikdash. And the Big Day Kuna... You're not allowed to utilize them for whatever you want. They have a din ilah. If you misappropriate them, they belong to Hekdesh. They have to use for Hekdesh's purposes. So when you're the re, the Tosad answer is that, since they were doing it for the Kavod Karban, which is, It's considered like part of the Korban, or the necessity of the Korban, because it's part of the Zekeli Van Vehu, part of the Hidur Mitzvah, of bringing the water libations, and therefore it's considered to be okay to utilize them for that fact. Problem is that the Gemara and Sukkah tells us that women were able to be mavoreret chitim. They used to be able to do, separate the wheat kernels from the shells and do their work from the light that they put in the Mikdash, which indicates it wasn't only being used for in the Mikdash, it was using for people in Yerushalayim. Tosfut says not that they literally used it, it was just was light enough that they could have done it. That's how he gets out of it. Although in Yushalmi he says that they were the kol That light, you see something, there is no din of mi'ila. So here all you're doing with them is lighting a flame that gives off light. There's no din of mi'ila in that instance. The other thing that Tosbot asks over here, 
Why are they bothered by the M-N-A-M of the Kohanim? Say so the belts of the Kohanim, because they have Elet Agamayim, Metlach, and Ivishesh, Mazar. And the Tobal of Tila. And they're good as a wick. Davi Karach, Davar Shmalikimbo, Davar Doshain Malikimbo. Shabbat Hudasur. That's Asur and Shabbat. About the Mikdash. There's no reason for that Gzeira. Because we don't make those types of Gzeira to the Mikdash. So now you have good material over bad material. What's the big deal here? Tosfut says that Pishtan, the linen, which is a good wick, was only a quarter of the Begit, of the material used in the Begit. Since it's the small amount of the Begit, it's Batel, the Gabbit of Begit, and it's as if there's no Pishtan there. It's as if you're using a wick that's not good at all. Right now we move over to the Sugyo of Chanukah. Amr Avuna, Tilot, Ushmanim, Shamruch Chachamim, Ein Laikim Behen Beshabbat. Any of these items that are mentioned in Mishnah that we cannot utilize on Shabbat, Ein Madikim Behen Bechanukah. You also don't like them on Chanukah. Ben b'Shabbat, ben b'Chol. Whether it falls out in Shabbat or Chol, you may not use them for Chanukah lights. So Amaravo, my time with Ravuna. What's the reasoning behind Ravuna's position? Kasavta or Kavta Zukukla. First thing, if it extinguishes, you must light it. Umutar lishtamish lora, and you're permitted to use its light. So each of these reasons applies to a different part. Number one is Kavta Zukukla is because during Chol, why aren't you allowed to light with these items? Because the flame might extinguish. The flame extinguishes, and when you don't relight it, you're not going to be Yotze, the mitzvot of Nerot Chanukah. So therefore, Kapta Zalkuklach tells you why in Chol you may not use them. Umut you're allowed to get benefit from the Chanukah candles. That explains why you can't do it on Shabbat. Because on Shabbat, where you can't relight it, so that's definitely not the issue. The problem is that if you use it, and it's a bad light, then you're going to come to be Shemiyateh, according to Rashi, you might have problems of running Shabbat, so therefore we don't allow you to use it on Shabbat. says you can use these oils and wicks on a weekday, but not on Shabbat. So he clearly here is, If it extinguishes, you don't have to relight it. So he eliminated the reason that you would do it on Chol. And you're allowed to use it. So therefore, during the week, we don't worry about it if it extinguishes, because hopefully you'll relight it. If you don't relight it, that's not a violation, because you don't have to relight it. On the other hand, when it comes to Shabbat, and you're permitted to use it, on Shabbat, that becomes a problem, because if you have a bad wick or a bad oil, there you might shemiyateh, maybe you'll leave, you have onik Shabbat problems, so therefore you can't use them on Shabbat, according to Mufchistah. Amar Rabbi Zeira, Amar Rabbi Matna, Varmid Amar Rabbi Zeira, Amar Rav, Tilot Ushmanim Shemuch HaChamim, Edlikim Bahem B'Shabbat, these wicks and oils that the Chamim said you may not light with them on Shabbat, you can use them on Chanukah. It doesn't matter if all, it doesn't matter Shabbat. I'm a Rabbi Rimiya, my time with the Rav. Rimiya says, what's the reasoning behind Rav? Savar, Kapta, Enzakukla. That if it blows out or extinguishes, you don't have to relight it. So that eliminates the restriction on Chol. Vasur, Lishtamesh Beora. And you may not. Light, use it, Hishtamesh Be'orah. You may not use it at all, and that eliminates the reason on Shabbat that you may not use these items, because you're not gonna, be, you're not gonna use it for light anyway. So therefore, it's not a problem. The Asun Hishtamesh Be'orah is interesting over here, because this is a memoir of Rav. We brought beforehand memorot of Rav Huna and Rav Chista. Chronologically, the Gemara is out of order. Rav is the first one who made the statement, and he's being explained by Rabbi Yirmiya, who is a second generation Amora. Then you have Rav Huna and Rav Chista saying something, who are later, and then Rav was explaining their position based on what Rav Yirmi explained Rav. So the Gemara is really out of order in bringing Rav Huna's position, Rav Chizda's position, and then 
All of a sudden it brings Rab's position at the end. So the Gemara clearly ordered it this way in order to influence the flow of the Gemara and to give credence to certain positions over here, which is interesting in general. You have to always note that, that sometimes the Gemara is not using the chronological order because it wants the you to force, it looks like that the, this is the progression of the Gemara, or this is the progression of the Aloha. Truthfully, Rab was first. And the Aloha is, as Tosua points out, you're not allowed to get benefit from it. We're going to see in a second. But if it extinguishes, we do not have to relight it. Because there's only one opinion. That's the opinion of Ravuna that says that. Both of this and Rav agree that you don't have to do that. And that's the way we treat our Neirot Chanukah. Rabbanan said this. Remember over to Abaye, but they said in the name of Ravirmiya. And he didn't accept it. When Rabbin came to Israel, then he said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, and he accepted it. When it was Rabbi Yochanan, he accepted it as being good. Had I been Zuchah, I would have heard this memory in the name of Rabbi Yochanan in the first place. I says, in the end he got it. Rabbin came and told him the memory. So why is he bemoaning the fact that he didn't have it? The difference is that when you learn something when you're young, it sticks with you. When you're something when you're older, it doesn't stick as well. So had I learned in the first place, not Mishmei de Rabirmiya, but Mishmei de Rabi Yochanan, I would have stuck with me. But now that I learned to Mishmei de Rabirmiya, and then I rejected it early on, only to hear about Rabi Yochanan later on, it's going to be harder for it to stick with me. Mara says, Is that really true? If it extinguishes, you don't have to relight it. Firminu, mitzvah The mitzvah of lighting the Nerot Chanukah is from the sunset. Until Tichler Regal Minashuk, till the Shuk, the marketplace is empty. My love, Dib Kavta Hodder Madikla. So it sounds like from here that it has to be lit through that entire period. So it sounds like if it extinguished, you'd have to relight it. Gemara says, well, one answer is, Dilo Adik Madik. Had you not lit yet, then you do light. Vinamit. The other possibility is, the Shi'ura. It's giving you the minimum amount of oil that you need in there. So this turns out to be a Machloket Avishonim about exactly what the meaning of this Gemara is. Tosafot over here says, what does that mean? Dilod Adigmalik. Aval Mikam Ve'elech Habar If you missed that period of time, which is Mintishka Hama Tichlea Regal Meshuk, you missed the time, you wouldn't light, according to that. Ve'armiri, Parat, the issue is here, Ladik, Balayla. Even if you missed the time, you should light, without a bracha, because there's a second answer here. The second answer is that it's the Shi'urei. It's telling you how much oil you need in the lamp or in the candles of Chanukah, but not when you have to light it. So based on that opinion, we have a safek about whether that's the zman or not. So if you miss that zman, you should light it without a bracha. That also brings in our days where we light on the table because we're afraid of what's outside in the sakana. Then the hekera or the lighting of the Chanukah is only for the people of the Bnei Abayit. And therefore, you can light it anytime because the Bnei Abayit... They're not guided by Shkia, Tichle Regal, and Ashuk. That is no longer relevant. There are others that argue on the Tosafot, the Maral, the Gra. Others point out that that is not the case. That even today, where we light inside, we still should be makpid on lighting at the right time. The Rambam, on the other hand, read this Gemara a little differently. From Tosafot, it sounds like if you come to light it, you may light it throughout that entire period. Even if you miss that period, you light it later. And again, if you lit it in that period, you would still have to put in the requisite amount of oil, which is shiurei. If you look in the Rambam, the Rambam seems to say that number one, if you light it, you have to light it during that period of time, which he says it's chatzish aviyater. It's about a half an hour, a little more. That's so from sunset until tichla regem You have the ability to light during that period. 
If you don't light right with Shkiyata Chama, you can light throughout that period. But that's all it has to remain lit for. It only has to be lit until Tichlai Regal Minashuk. That means if you light at the beginning of the period, it has to stay lit for half an hour plus. If you come 15 minutes into the period, then it only has sounds like the flame only has to be lit for the remainder of that period of time, for the remaining 15 minutes that are there. So for the Rambam read them as two different opinions. And if you paskin to Ilo Adik Madik, then the Shura is not relevant anymore. And that's what the Rambam paskins. That if you don't light during that period of time, you may not light anymore. He doesn't have the dispensation of the Tosvalot. What about the other opinion of Shi'urei? He doesn't have the dispensation of the Tosvalot because Vishat HaSakana were lighting inside. Rambam says it as a definitive halacha. You must light during that time. And the candle must only last for that period of time when you light it. And therefore, if you light it late, you don't need as much oil to finish it off. Because he paskins like the opinion that it's Ido Adlik Madlik. And that does not include the opinion of shiur, that it's there for the shiur, and therefore he has no requirement of shiur. How long is that? It's until the tarmudai leave the shuk. Rashi says over here, they were the wood choppers. And they used to be in the shuk, the last people in the shuk to go home, because People who needed wood at night, when they needed fires, warmth, light, they needed wood. And therefore they remained the latest in the shuk. People would come out if they had forgotten or didn't have wood, they'd come out to buy from them. Ashutikla regal in a shuk means until the last passerbys are going to be there. Now this does raise a question as to Persumanisa over here. Does the Gemara seem to indicate over here that Persumanisa applies even to non-Jews? Mean that the Tarmudai were going to still be passing through the shuk. And therefore, it was permissible to light during that time, because there will be people who see it. Or, is Gemara simply using them as an indication as to when passerbys will not be in the street? Jewish passerbys. Because if there's nothing in the shuk anymore, and there's nothing to go out to buy, then there's no traffic in the Rishut Rabim. If there's no traffic in the Rishut Rabim, there is no more Pesumenisa, because there'll be no Jews out on the street. It's not clear from the Gemara whether this is saying when there's still Pesumenisa, because these individuals are out there, or... These individuals mean that there is Jewish traffic out there, and that is what the Pesumenisa is about. It's for Jews. Turn banana. So now we get into the core mitzvah of lighting on the Chanukah, which is mitzvah Chanukah. The mitzvah of lighting the Chanukah is ner ish ubeito. The basic mitzvah of lighting Chanukah candles is one candle per household. So only need one candle in the house for any number of people that live in the house. The balabite lights the candle, and that's it. Ve'hamadrin, and those that want to upgrade and do it a little nicer, those that want to do mitzvot and chase after mitzvot, ner lecholechad ve'echad. Then they light one candle for each individual in the house. Ve'hamadrin minamadrin, and those that want to be top-notch, do the mitzvah in a super way, Start with eight candles, and then you diminish one each day. On the first day you light one, and then you add candles each day, which is obviously the way that we paskin. Come back in a second to explain these different levels. There are two Amoraim in Eretz Yisrael that argue about what the reason behind Rebbe Shemayim Betelel is. The reason behind the Beit Shemai is, it's the number of days that remain in Hanukkah. 
number of days that have passed already. The other Mora said, this is what their Mahlokut is about. Just like the Parim on Sukkot, they start out with 13 Parim in the Karbonot, and they go down one each day. So, so to over here, that's the paradigm that he's using. The time of the Beit Hillel, the Malin Bekodesh, Vein Moridin. The reason behind the position of Beit Hillel is that we always, when we're dealing with Kedushah, try to build and be bigger, not smaller, not go down. So therefore, we're going to add here, not subtract. I will note that the Gemara in Sukkah mentions that when it comes to the Pareh Achag, it says that those Karbanot are connected to Moto Olam. So it's interesting that maybe here, if you think that the reason for lighting the candles has the paradigm of Parayachag, that might mean, not saying it's Mukhrach, but it might mean also that there is an Indian of Pesume Nisa, not just for Jews, but also for non-Jews. Because the Parayachag have some representation of the other nations of the world, not just Kalal Yisrael. Amar Abba Barchana Rabbi Yochanan, Shnei Sidan. There were two elders in Sidan, Echad Asag Shemai. One of them practiced like Beit Shemai, one of them practiced like Beit Hillel. The one who practiced like Beit Shemai said the reason was, because just like the Parim and the Chag moved down, so to over here we're going to move down. And the one who held like Beit Hillel explained his position. So now as far as the core mitzvah of lighting Neirot Chanukah, Mahadrin, and then a Mahadrin min a Mahadrin, here there's a Machlokat Rishonim, as to how to view Mehadrin Mina Mahadrin. Because is Mehadrin Mina Mahadrin built on top of the Mehadrin? Or is it built on top of the core mitzvah? So Tosvot over here says near the Ri, the Beit Shemayu Beitilal, Lo Kaimil and there Ishu Beitel. The Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin is premised on the core mitzvah. You have the core mitzvah, then you can do Mahadrin. You have the core mitzvah, and then you can do Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin. But the Mahadrin and Mahadrin and Mahadrin are not connected. Therefore, according to Tosafot, these are the different choices. Either Ner Ishu Beito, which is that the Balabayit will light one candle for the entire household. Number two is Mahadrin, where you light a candle for each individual in the house. And then there's Mahadrin, Mina Mahadrin, which is you light one Chanukiah for the entire household. But on that Chanukiah, you light based on the days. And that's what Tosma says, that's the Mahajim and because there's a hacker then. That you're lighting specifically for the days, because there's only one Chanukiah, and it has the number of candles on it. As opposed to, if you did number of days, and the number of people, it wouldn't be clear what you're doing. It wouldn't be clear whether that's the number of people in the house, or that's the number of days that are here. The Rambam, on the other hand, believes that Mahajim Minahajim is built on the Mahajim. That means that the three stages are like this. First stage is Neri Yishu Beito, the Balabayat lights. For everyone in the household, one candle. The second stage would be ner lekol echad ve'echad. And here you have to be careful. The Rambam says that the bal habayit lights one candle for each person in the house. So if there are eight people in the house, he'll light eight candles each night. Because he lights based on the number of people, one candle for each person in the house. Built on top of that is mahadrin min mahadrin. So mahadrin min mahadrin, not only are you going to light one candle for each person in the house, you're also going to multiply that by the number of days. So, in our case here, where you have eight people in the house, and the first night you're going to light eight candles, second night you're going to light 16, and the third night you light 24, and each night you're going to add eight more candles on. But according to the Rambam, it's only the Balabayit that does it. The lighting is done simply by the head of the household. The Shulchan Aruch Paskins, like the Tosafot over here, 
Again, he says that only the Balabite is lighting. The Rambah passes like the Rambam. This is the opposite of normal, what normally happens. The Rambah is passing like the Rambam. And the Shofar is passing like the Tosafot. And the Rambah, when he quotes the Rambam, says that the Balabite lights. The number of people in the house are the Yamin. And then he says that the Minag Kapashut is that each individual lights their own Chanukiyah. The Rambah brings down, that's what Chaynagu, that's what we do. Each individual lights their own Chanukiyah, even though that's not the way the Allah is brought down in the Rambam. The Rambam says that became the Minag, that each individual lights their own Chanukiyah. Part of that probably is to avoid the problem of Tosafot. Avoid the problem of Tosafot is that if you light Keneged, the number of people in the house, and Keneged Yamin, you can't distinguish or differentiate what's being lit for what reason. But if each individual in the house lights their own Chanukiyah, and we keep the candles separate, and try to put them individually out, in that instance, then you get rid of the problem of Tosafot, because here each Chanukiyah is separate. So each Chanukiyah represents a person in the house, and then the number of candles there will represent the number of days. That's the Minag of Bnei Ashkenaz today. To place it outside your door, if he lives upstairs, he puts it in the window that faces the shooter beam. In a time of danger, you put it on your table, and there is no problem. So now, when we say there's a mitzvah, the mitzvah is to place it outside the doorway. Here we have a machloket Rashi and Tosafot that runs throughout the Gemara. Rashi believes when we talk about petach, it means the door to your house. Even if there's a courtyard in front of your house, you're still supposed to light it outside your door of your house, not outside the courtyard. Tosafot, in all these cases, says you light it outside the door of the chatzer. You have to light it where the Rishut Rabim is. It's Pesume Nisa, the whole purpose of Pesume Nisa is so that people in the public will see it. You have to light it in a place where people in the public will see it. So the proper place to light it, therefore, is outside the doorway of the chatzer. Whereas Rashi says that he thinks that the proper place to light is outside the door, even if there is a courtyard in front of it. It's a case where he's supposed to light it outside the door, in the chatzer area. The person who lives upstairs doesn't have access to that place because he comes down inside the house of the other individual. Therefore, he has no door that goes out to the chatzer. So he doesn't light there. He lights in his window because that's where his pesume nisa is because he doesn't have a doorway that goes into the chatzer. And b'shata sakana, you light it inside. Tosafot says, what's the shata sakana? Nira the read, I kamil atu chavre the bovel. And the chavreim came to bovel. We saw that back on daf yud aleph omid aleph where the Gemara is describing hierarchies of who you would like to be ruled by. But over there it says, bovel chavre. We said over there, chavre with these group of individuals who came to bovel and caused problems for the Jews and prevented them from performing the mitzvot. So here at that time, very was dangerous for them to do practice the mitzvot. They used to light inside. You have to have another candle that's present in order to use its light. Now you can see here that there's Ot Aleph of the Gra. Rashi clearly did not have the girsa of lishtamesh Lora. Rashi's girsa was Amarova Tzarech Nerachert. He needs another candle, and Rashi explains why. Lasod Heker Ladavar. To make a heker that that is the candle for Ner Chanukah. If you only have one candle that's burning there, people are going to think it's for light. How do they know it's not for light? Because you have another candle that's giving you the light. So that's what the heker. The heker is that it is a Ner Chanukah because it's unnecessary. Because it's unnecessary, that's what makes it into a Ner Chanukah. It's only being lit for the religious purpose. It's not being lit for your own purposes. On the other hand, the way we have it in our Gemara, is that the reason for the other candle is that so you won't use this 
the Ner Hanukkah, for, or you use the other candle. It could be for Rashi's vision, which is Hekar, but simply be for the reason, a practical reason, that you can't get benefit from the light of the Hanukkah candle. You need another candle there, so you don't get benefit from it. If you have a big pyre or flame there, so you'll get light from that. You don't have to worry about it. He's an important individual, because he would not use the light of Medura. It's not appropriate. It's beneath his dignity. Then he clearly needs a different candle to utilize. So again, the extra candle here can be for one of two reasons. One is because you need light, and therefore we don't want you benefiting from the Hanukkah candles. We want you to use something else. So you need this other nair to give you the light. The possibility is like Rashi, which is that it's a hekir. It makes it clear that the candles that you've lit are Hanukkah candles because you have another candle for your light. So why are you lighting these extra candles? It must be for that religious purpose, and that's what makes the Pirsum and Nisa. So now the Gemara begins the very famous sugya of Hanukkah, which is my Hanukkah. What is Hanukkah? Now truthfully, in Shas, there is no Masechet Hanukkah in the Mishnayot. Hanukkah only gets mentioned once in a Mishnah as an aside in Baba Kamar, which we're going to quote in a couple of minutes. And also in Masechet Bikurim, where it mentions that a person may bring his Bikurim, even though he may not read Pasha Bikurim from Sukkot until Hanukkah. So that's what the Gemara says over here, my Hanukkah. Basically we're starting what is Masechet Hanukkah. It derived from Nerot Shabbat and then moved into Nerot Hanukkah. So since we're on the topic of Nerot, the Gemara picked this as the area to lay out Masechet Hanukkah. And the appropriate beginning is my Hanukkah. We don't have any Mishnah that tells us what Hanukkah is. So the Gemara has to reach out and has to find. Where is it? So they quote... A brighter from Megillat Tanit. My Hanukkah, the Tanurbanan. Bikafe Bikislev Yomit Hanukkah Tamnai Oyinun. On the 25th of Kislev, Hanukkah lasts for eight days. Delo the Misbet Bahon, that you may not make a eulogy during that time. Now, Argumar says, Delo Yitanot Bahon, also that you may not fast during that time. The Groh eliminates that from the Girsa because it says it's not necessary. In Megillat Tanit, they list different days, one that you can't be Misbet, you can't have eulogies on them. And the other days that you cannot fast on them. Days that you can't fast on them, you are permitted to have eulogies on them. So when the Braita from Megillat Anid says that you're a surah the that you can't have eulogies on them, it's understood that you also can't fast on them. Because that's a stricter level of quote-unquote Yom Tov. Because if you can't eulogize, you certainly can't fast. The opposite is not true. If you can't fast, you might be able to eulogize. So that's why the girl eliminates from the gear. So not that it's not true, but it's not necessary. When the Greeks entered into Eichal, Timu Kolashmanim, they defiled all the oil was there. Shebeichal, Shegavra Machul Beit Chashmonai Vinitzchum. When the Beit Chashmonaim were victorious over the Greco-Syrians, but Kuvalo Matsu, they checked around. They only found the Lapachachach Shemen Shayam Munach Bechotamo Shel Kohen Gadol. Found only one jug of olive oil that still had the seal of the Kohen Gadol on it. Only had enough oil in it to last for one day. It's a miracle they had this one jug of oil, and it lasted for the entire eight days. In the subsequent year, they made them into Yomim Tovim, as Rashi points out. Yomim Tovim. Not that they're Osur v'Malacha, but they made them Yomim Tovim for Halel and Hoda'ah. Rashi explains that Halel Bodah is, Halel means to read the Halel. Hoda'ah is to say, Alanisim v'Hoda'ah, and the Bracha v'Hoda'ah that you say it in Shemun Esrei. The Rambam, on the other hand, reads this differently. He says that 
Kabum asum yamim tovim behalel. Halal is Hadakot Neirot Chanukah. Hoda'ah is Halal that we say in Davening. So Rashi reads it as being made up of Halal and Hoda'ah, which is the Halal that we say in Davening and Hoda'ah, the Halal Nisim. And we already dealt with the candles issue. The Neirot Chanukah, that was a given. We didn't need that. The Halal and Hoda'ah is in addition to that. Ramam says, no, the Halal is explained to us that they lit candles. That's one, the practice. And the other practice is Hoda'ah, is that they said Halal. What's so appealing about the Rambam's explanation is that then there is a halal for each aspect of the miracle here. There's a halal that's associated with the miracle of the menorah in the Mikdash, and that's the lighting of the Chanukiyah, which is the halal for that part of the miracle. And then there is the halal that we say in Davening, and that halal is connected the victory in the battle. So therefore you have a halal that's associated with the Nes Nigleh, and then you have a Havel that's associated with the Nes Nistar, which works very well with the Ramban at the end of Parshat Bo, which says that Hashem provides us with the Nisim Gluim, with parent miracles, so that we understand that everything in life is a miracle. And through the Nisim Gluim, we see the Nisim Hanistarim. And the same thing over here. Through the lighting of the candles of the Chanukiah, which is the Halel for the open miracle, we also bring to a secondary Halel, which is the Halel for the victory in the battle, in the war, which looked like it was Al-Derech HaTeva. Nevertheless, we say Halel the same way that we say Halel over the other miracle. Through the recognition of the Nes Galui, we also recognize the Nes Nistar. So Tanan, Gemara brings the Mishnah from Baba Kama. Gates Ayotzei a spark that comes out from underneath the blacksmith's hammer. And it goes out and does damage. He's responsible for the damage that comes from it. You have a camel that is loaded with flax. And he's walking through the chanut. And his flax is so overloaded that when he passes by the store, it actually goes into the store. And it catches fire because of the candle or the light of the storekeeper. And then it lights some other house or store on fire. The owner of the camel is Kayab because he overloaded his gamal. And that's what caused the problem over here. On the other hand, if the storekeeper put his candle outside, where it's now in the Shutra Abim, he's responsible because he now put his candle outside. He's responsible for that candle. If it was near Chanukah on the outside, then he's Patur because he has permission to put them outside. From this we can conclude, the mitzvah of Nerot Chanukah is put them within 10 Tvachim of the ground. If you think you can place him above ten vachim, then we could demand of the storekeeper, anybody who puts their Chanukah candles outside, that they have to place them above where they can cause damage. Because if you're permitted to put them up higher, put them up higher. So it must be that you're not permitted to put them up higher, you have to put them down within the ten vachim. says, no, 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 maybe you could put them up higher. The reason that we don't manage to put them higher is because if we make it too difficult for the person to light the candles outside, he just won't do it. So we wanted to make it easy and accessible to him to put it down there. It's no good. 
Just like by sukkah in Mavoy, it is problematic over here. Sukkah v'schach may not be above 20 amot, because then you no longer see it. Loshata be'ena. And the Mavoy, which is talking about the Korah, that is across the Mavoy, which is there for a hekir, to know where the Mavoy ends and where the Rishat begins or where you're allowed to carry to, then also, again, you have to be able to see it. If you don't see it, if it's not in the area where the domain of the eye reaches, then it's not considered to be a hekir. So, so to here, by Nerot Chanukah, Rashi says, like a Pursumenisa, if it's above 20 Amot, that's not where people usually look. That's not where people usually look, then there is no Pursumenisa. So again, the requirements have it below 20 amot is that people will see it. When they'll see it, that will make it into Persume Nisa. Okay, we'll stop over here.